Today at Kayla's Church, we're discussing... When should Christians disobey the government? Yeah, yeah. Hello, police? Hey! Welcome to Kalos Church. My name is Pradeep Jiva, And I'm Amrita. Kalos means beautiful in Greek, and I know a lot of people have heard or seen ugly things when it concerns the church, but we believe that when you look at the words and the ways of Jesus, it's actually quite beautiful. And so that's why we want to create a safe environment where we can ask the question, what is so beautiful about Jesus? If you want to find our videos every week, please subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram. Yes, and you know what? Pastor Pradeepan is bringing a great message today. Woo! I'm so excited for it. But before he does that, I want to make sure you know that Kalos is not just a friendly church, yeah. but a church of friends. Mm -hmm. In fact, we stay in touch all throughout the week. And you can say hi in the comments right now. We'd love to chat with you. The way that we stay connected throughout the week is we have a Kalos private Facebook group. And our whole church has jumped into this Facebook group. It's so fun. We share memes. We laugh mm -hmm. together. We pray for one another. It's really so so wonderful to be a part of this community and we want to invite you to be a part of it with us. All you have to do is jump into our crash course, click on the Zoom link right after this service and after you've been through our crash course, you are welcome to jump yes. into our Facebook group and join us. And one of the things that we do with this Facebook group is we talk about good news and every single Sunday we share the good news that is happening, we share prayer requests that we can all pray for together and I'm going to do that today as well. The first thing is some good news. And that is that we extended the grocery outreach to help families in need in our community for four mm -hmm. more weeks. So we needed some more sponsors. Yeah. And Kalos Church, once again, you showed up in the most wonderful way. And so nine more sponsors jumped into wow. the sponsorship program. And now we have a total of 20 sponsors wow. who every week are faithfully buying groceries uh, for people in need. So thank you so much, Kalos Church. We extended that from seven weeks to four extra weeks. Wow. And you guys are amazing. Praise yeah. the Lord. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. Hey, I want to share a prayer request as well. And we're all going to spend some time praying together. And that is for our friend, Jamie Castillo. She wrote in the Facebook group this week that she is headed back to work, which is so exciting. But along with headed back to work is the anxiety that comes with having to yeah. change your routine again, yeah. of wanting to be safe, of mm -hmm. making sure that everyone is healthy all around you. Right. Uh, Jamie actually works at a dental office. Mm. And so she just asked for prayer for that. And I want to lift up all of those that are headed back to work, which is really exciting, but all of the anxiousness, yeah. all of the worry that can come along with that process. Mm -hmm. So let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for Jamie. Thank you for her job. Thank you that she can go back to her job. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray right now that you would rest your peace in her heart. Yes. Lord, I pray that as she transitions from her current routine to the next routine again of getting up and going to work, God, you would be with her. Yes. You'll bless her. And Father, we pray for protection for mm -hmm. all of those that mm -hmm. are going back to work. I pray, God, that you would keep all sickness, all virus away from uh, these places of work in the name of Jesus. Yes, God, that people would feel such a peace in their hearts that there would not be that anxiousness as they head back to work and you would just keep them safe. We put our trust in you, our safety and our health in you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. 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 Well, without further ado, Pastor Pradeepan is going to share a great message. Let's go ahead and give him a digital high five. Say amen as he is preaching. Let's just encourage him. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is When Should Christians Disobey the Government? Short answer right now. Just kidding. Just kidding. I know a lot of people are nervous about what we're going to preach today. And I just want to let you know, before I get into this message, my goal is not to affirm what you already politically believe. My goal is to bring you to Jesus. We're not the first people to ask a politically charged question like this. In fact, over 2,000 years ago, people asked Jesus a question on, should we follow the Jewish law or the Roman law? What do we do with our taxes? And so let's see what the scriptures as our foundation have to say when it comes to this tension of following the government. Let's turn to Matthew 22. It says, now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know if you should trust the authority in charge or not? I have. I remember two years ago, I went to Michigan to officiate a wedding. These were pre-quarantine days, if you're old enough to remember what life was like back then. And I was officiating the wedding for Andrew and Kirsten Coriel. I'm driving down a Michigan dirt road and I'm speeding, allegedly. And a police officer pulls me over, gives me a ticket, and he says, oh, your driver's license is out of state. I'm going to have to take you into the station. I'm like, I got to go to a wedding. I can't go to the station. He says, well, you can give me a $100 bill. Otherwise, I have to take you to the station. So I had a $100 bill in my phone and I handed it to him. And as I'm handing it to him, I'm thinking, am I bribing a police officer? Should I be trusting his words? Is this okay for me to do it? But I didn't want to overthink it because I had to go officiate a wedding. Well, as I think through this, a month later, I actually received a check in the mail for $100 from this Michigan police station after I paid the full ticket price online. So praise the Lord, apparently I did not bribe the police officer. Yeah. I think that's a high five moment, but I remember asking the question, should I trust this authority right now or not? Many of us in this nation are asking a similar question. What do we do with the government? In this age of information, it feels like there's not a lot of truth. This source says this. The federal government says this. The state government says this. What should we do? And even tensions in our own life. We're asked to stay home, but it's hard to stay home when you can't pay the bills and you're getting evicted. What should I do? What should I follow? The government, like what's best for my family. I feel like there's a lot of tension in this moment. We see people dying for this reason, but we also see people dying for this reason. At the end of the day, we want to make sure our families are good. And as we navigate some of these tensions we're feeling, it seems like people in our nation are falling into two different camps to simplify this. It is, we should blindly follow the government. The government's trying to protect lives, so let's do whatever they tell us to do. If they tell us to live in isolation and quarantine for 20 years, we're just going to do it. That's our life now. And then I feel like other people are following into the camp and saying, hey, you know what? We just need to not trust the government anymore. In fact, I don't even believe in government. Maybe we should just be a nation of self-governance alone. And I, I, I feel these tensions. And it's just like the tensions in the time of the Bible 2,000 years ago. Should we 
follow the Jewish law. This is what God tells us to do. This is how God tells us to self-govern ourselves. But then the Romans have occupied, you know, Israel. Should we follow them? Because they are instituting and enforcing the law of their land as they're in charge right now. And Jesus dives right into this tension in the scripture in Matthew 22. And to be clear, they're trying to trap Jesus. The religious leaders gather political leaders and they ask them this question in front of everybody to see, is he going to side with his Jewish brothers and sisters? And so then the Romans will say he's inciting a rebellion, or is he going to side against his family and enforce what the Romans are doing who have come into our land, who have made us like under their occupation. This is God's land. Why are Romans in charge? We should overthrow them. In fact, many people are hoping that the Messiah would be someone who overthrows the politics of Rome and lets God's true law reign in the land. And so Jesus has asked this question as a trap. And let's be honest, I love a good trap. I mean, I love tricky questions. Like, let me give you a tricky question right now. If Jesus right now spoke to you and said, Son, daughter, disobey me, would you? It's a tricky question, because if you obey his request to disobey, then you're actually obeying him and not disobeying him. But if you're disobeying him, you're actually doing what he said and you're obeying him. It's tricky. That has nothing to do with my sermon, but I just want to share that I like tricky questions. And so (laughs) they ask Jesus this question and he he answers it like only Jesus could. He's a master Mm -hmm. at diving into this tension. And he says, hey, let me see that coin. Whose face is on it? And they're they're like Caesar's, the the person in charge of the Roman Empire. He says, render to Caesar or give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And so I, I wonder if the Jewish leaders were thinking, ah, we got him. He's betraying his Jewish blood, but he doesn't end there. And he says, but render or give to God what belongs to God. And the Jewish leaders realized that we were created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And so everything we have belongs to God. Mm. Perfect answer. And they walked away amazed. And I want you to notice that in this tension, Jesus doesn't give three steps to civil disobedience. He enters this tension. And he brings up these dichotomies. And I believe that we can learn a lot for this in our current day situation as we enter the tension. And so I want to state two cases for obeying the government and uh, really stepping in civil disobedience against the government. And I want to acknowledge that there's a tension here. And I want to make sure that we're building our decision making off of the foundation of the scriptures. And I want to help you make godly decisions as we enter both extremes and both tensions. The first thing I want to share is this. Number one, scripture encourages Christians to submit to the government. He says clearly, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. In fact, in Romans 13, the scripture says, everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and they will be punished. So Romans clearly says as Christians, as followers of God, we are called to submit to the government. First Peter two says it like this for the Lord's sake, Submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. Again, Christians are called to submit, pray, and obey the government no matter who is in charge. 
Like if it's a Democrat in the office of authority, if it's a Republican, we as Christians are called to honor, support, pray, and obey the government. The scripture clearly says this. I love how it says in Peter, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. The only reason we submit to human authority as followers of Jesus is because God asked us to. It's for the Lord's sake. And if you want a rhyme to remember this, here it is. It's very difficult to create a rhyme when it comes to the, the philosophical ramifications of following the government and God. But we got one going on right now. And it's this. For the Lord's sake, we don't break the law. Government, pun, rhyme. Not a pun, just a rhyme. I love it. And so I, I want to follow the government because God calls me to. And I also believe in good government. I believe in having a social contract that helps us take care of the least of these to bring peace and safety. We serve a God of order. We don't just live in the garden. We are anticipating a new Jerusalem coming from heaven to earth. God is in charge and we serve a king with a kingdom. There is order. We believe in good government. I remember I visited a country on a missions trip and they wanted us to see this building and it looked like a prison with like jail cells with an outdoor court with a dirt floor. And as we entered this building, it was so hot and I saw these jail looking cells with metal bars and little hands sticking out of them. As we got closer, we noticed that those are hands of children with special needs and additional needs. And the closer we got, we saw that the, the walls were covered with their own poop and they would try to grab you and smear poop on you and yell at you. And it was a really uninviting environment. It was, it was kind of scary. It was, it was something I'd never seen before. And I'm like, what is this? What, what is going on here? This is not okay. And they said, well, our, our government doesn't really have a plan for kids with special needs. So we've just been gathering them and throwing them in these cells. We don't know what to do with them. And it's not the best situation, but we don't want them out in public. And so we're just kind of hiding them away from society and basically just giving them food, but no interaction with people, no like development. And it, it just grieved my heart, especially as a parent right now, as we are both parents with a kid with special and additional needs. Like we love that we can be part of the Bellevue school system where we have teachers that meet with us and ask us what are our concerns. And they know our son and they say, hey, we think this will help you in your potty training journey. This will help your son speak and interact. And we actually have something called an IEP, an individualized educational plan. And I love that we live in an area where it's not just like survival of the fittest, but we take care of the least of these. And, and the government has a plan to help our kid and just not fend for himself. And he's not in a jail cell away from society. And I, I believe good government serves a good purpose when it's done right. And I, I love this quote, the greatness of a nation can be judged by how it treats its weakest member. And I believe that a survival of the fittest mentality, anarchy in the streets doesn't help us take care of the least of these, but a good government makes room in a place for people like our son. Amen. Mm -hmm. And I, I really believe in that. But we need to understand where do governments, good government, get their authority from. And I, I believe that it comes from God. In fact, Jesus talks about this in John 19. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So governments can only wield the power God allows them to wield. It all is derivative of God as the source of all power. And so as Christians, we don't submit to governments because they own us, 
but because God owns them. We don't get our identity, our ultimate security and peace from government. We get it from God who grants power to governments. Mm. We don't submit to governments because they own us, but because God owns them. So the logical question you might be wondering as we navigate this tension is, what if a government asks you to do something that is evil, wrong, unjust? Well, let's talk about the other side, about building a case that tells us to rebel against the government. Point number two, scripture encourages Christians to challenge unjust laws. So Jesus says, give to God what belongs to God. And our whole lives belong to God. We will follow God. The people who wrote, you know, Romans 13 and 1 Peter, Paul and Peter, they also were arrested for breaking the law. They chose to follow God over the laws of the land. So were they just hypocrites? They're going to write the scripture but not obey it? Or was there a nuance in this tension that we need to dive into? I think there's a nuance. Let's look at that. In Acts 5, it says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. So yes, we follow government. Yes, we render to Caesar what's Caesar's, but ultimately we pledge allegiance to God. Our whole lives belong to God. God isn't asking us in this scripture to give 50% of our heart and allegiance to the government and 50% of our heart and allegiance to God. No, Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he wants 100% of our hearts. We cannot serve two masters. We serve Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Even in this Roman time, there was a pantheon of different gods and deities that they were allowed to follow, but Christians were persecuted and killed because they said, we will not say Caesar is Lord. We will not say Caesar is God. We submit to the Lord Jesus Christ alone. He has a hundred percent of our heart. And today as Christians, that is our stance. That is our heart. We follow Jesus. You are Lord. You are King. We love you. We want you. But as we follow Jesus, and sometimes the law of Jesus might supersede the law of the land. And that's what it means to really operate in civil disobedience when it comes to justice and unjust laws. I mean, consider this. We need to consider that slavery and the Holocaust were legal. And so Christians must challenge unjust laws. In fact, there's a a man by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You're familiar with him if you've celebrated the holiday or you studied segregation in the Jim Crow laws. And he, as a pastor, as a Christian said, we need to stand up against this segregation. This is not right. We are all created in the image of God. And so we're all equal, no matter what the color of our skin is. And so we're not going to say like, we're okay with this and just follow the law of the land. In fact, we're going to sit in areas that black people are not allowed to sit in. And I want to show you a video that kind of showcases this protest. Segregation now Segregation tomorrow and segregation forever. African Americans in Alabama have had enough. In spring 1963, in the state's largest city, Birmingham, they staged nonviolent demonstrations. Wallace responds. Protests are banned. Those arrested forced to pay high bail. Then, America's most prominent civil rights leader comes to Birmingham. Freedom, 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 
April 12th, Good Friday. Martin Luther King Jr. and Ralph Abernathy lead a march from the 16th Street Baptist Church. They are arrested. It is here that King pens his now celebrated letter from Birmingham jail, defending the resistance of African-Americans. In solitary confinement, he writes, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. That is so powerful. And I, I want to share another quote. In any civilized society, it is every citizen's responsibility to obey just laws. But at the same time, it is every citizen's responsibility to disobey unjust laws. And so as the church, there are times where we stand up against injustice and say, no, mm. we will not submit to that. We will stand up against that and we will challenge the law. And so while we submit to government as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we never grant unlimited obedience to human authority. Mm. Only Jesus Christ gets mm. that. Mm. Only Jesus Christ gets that. So we're showcasing two sides of this tension. So now what? Yeah. What do we do? Mm. When is it okay to disobey? And Jesus, he enters this tension. And I kind of wish he would have given us three steps to civil disobedience. I think even people in Jesus' day were confused because we thought the Messiah was going to help us overthrow Rome. We thought the Jewish leaders are going to be in charge of Israel again. What is going on? And he enters this tension of giving to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and giving to God what belongs to God. And I just want to share that this is where the Holy Spirit, a godly community, and wisdom is really needed. Yeah. There's not a cut and dry answer to most of our issues. We need to, as Christians, pick our battles wisely. I mean, I, I remember when I was living in Colorado Springs one time, I was driving and I, apparently the police officer said I was speeding through a red light, pulled me over and I didn't have insurance. I didn't have a car registered. The car apparently was registered to a white man, my stepdad, Tim Hansen, uh, my driver's license was expired. And I, I didn't say like, hey, don't give me a ticket, officer. I serve God and God alone. A house divided can't stand. You don't owe me. God is my Lord. Lord, I lift your name on high. No, I didn't do that. I just said, you know what? Ah, I made a mistake. I'm a Christian. I'm going to submit to the government for the Lord's sake. And I didn't pick that battle to operate in civil disobedience. Yeah. Amen. 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 And we, in these times, especially in these times of coronavirus, we're having a difficult time understanding what is true, what are we to do, yeah. what is going on right now. We need to have a prayerful spirit, yeah. a humble spirit. Yeah. And so some questions that I think we need to ask some questions that I'm asking myself, even as a spiritual leader, as we're pastors, questions that we need to ask as we're navigating, opening the doors of the church, as we're navigating what the government says, as we navigate gathering as the church, which scripture says, don't forsake the gathering of the church. So these are some questions we're asking. Am I willing to pay the price? You know, will we honor the consequences of jail and 
even like death or crucifixion like Jesus did mm -hmm. to operate in civil disobedience? Do I believe God will vindicate me on judgment day? Have I exhausted the ordinary means of legal recourse? Like Paul the Apostle, he appealed to Caesar. He went through the courts when there was something he thought was wrong. Am I fighting to follow all of God's law or just the parts I like? Will this help me love my neighbor? Is my freedom a stumbling block for the weak? Is this helping me reach people for Jesus? Are these laws singling out Christians? Do these laws come with malicious or good intentions? And I think that these are good questions to ask. And before we belittle Christians or Christian leaders as they make, you know, different choices than us, I, I think we need to acknowledge that there are nuances in these issues. Uh, you know, there are some churches right now that are just rebelling against the government. We're going to open up our doors no matter what. There's some churches right now that are suing the government. Hey, you should call us an essential service. We need to gather. And then there's some churches that say, hey, we're going to comply with the government no matter what. And in this tension, we, we have to acknowledge it. You know, there's something I want to share called jurisdictional overlap. And I, I want to show you a picture that helps us understand this. So picture two overlapping circles one representing the church's jurisdictional obligation and right to gather, the other representing the government's jurisdictional obligation to protect life. Our pandemical moment places us smack dab in the middle of where these jurisdictions overlap. That, as I said, is what makes this moment difficult. You know, the government has a responsibility to protect human lives. And the church has a responsibility to gather the people of God. Yeah. And as Christians, we're called to gather, but we're also called to submit to the government. So is it reasonable for the government to want to protect human lives as we approach 100,000 coronavirus deaths? Is it reasonable for the church want to spiritually enrich people's lives as people are encountering mental health issues and depression and navigating the nuances of being quarantined, losing their jobs and facing difficulties. I mean, these are tensions that we need to prayerfully consider personally in our lives. Like my ex stepmom has coronavirus right now. And that is very painful that people in our church have called us said, Hey, we have been diagnosed with coronavirus. We're really scared. We are trying to stay away from people. We want people to really quarantine themselves so we can be healthy and we can survive this thing. At the same time, we have a, a pastor friend that helped us navigate through one of the darkest times of our life, and he, he just shot himself during this quarantine. And depression and suicide is a reality. Food insecurity is a reality. There are people who are wanting to follow the government, but also waiting for unemployment checks, but their landlords aren't waiting for them to get their unemployment checks. So people are wanting to stay at home. And so they don't work, but now that they can't afford rent, so they're getting evicted. So they can't even follow the government because they chose not to work to follow the government, but now they're being evicted. There's a lot of nuances. And I, I know this, pastors are wanting to help people. Yeah. Help people stay alive, help people to have life and life abundantly. So before we belittle people, let's 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 pray. Yeah. <laughs> let's all pray in the spirit of love. Even pray for us as pastors. We don't have a playbook for this. We don't have a lot of pastor mentors that can tell us what they've done in the past. This is all brand new. Yeah. But I know that we're all trying to love people. I know that the government is wanting to protect lives. That's the authority God has given them to do. And so we must navigate these tensions with love. First Timothy says it like this. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. We need to pray. 
For who? For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so Jesus, he wants all people to be saved. But he also wants us to pray and support our government. And so as churches, we're navigating this tension. We want to preach the gospel. We also want people to be physically safe. And so in a week, we're going to share our plan as Kalos Church for how we're navigating these tensions and what it actually means for our gathering as we navigate the phases from our governor. And so join us for teen night. If you don't know how to, join us for Crash Course right after the service. And we would love to share with you our plan moving forward. And I want to end with this thought. Human government will end, but Jesus reigns forever. Yeah. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Human government will end, but Jesus reigns forever. And so our hope isn't found in government, but in Jesus. Amen. 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 And so my encouragement as we render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, let's render to God what belongs to God. And we as people who were created in the image of God, let's give our whole lives to him. And let's submit to the government for the Lord's sake and also stand up against injustice. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your scripture, your word. I pray that you would help us navigate these tensions, that we would love our neighbor protect our witness, submit to government for your sake. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.